0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen and you're listening to No Sleep Till Subway, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me here in person today is Canadian veteran singer, songwriter, and lead vocalist of The Jitters. And back in 1987, uh, it was last of the Red Hot Fools all over (laughs) the radio in Canada. Uh, it was a massive hit on Canadian radio. In addition to also being a, a solo recording artist post-Jitters, uh, he has also written music and lyrics for numerous films and television programs, including TSN's uh, NHL Tonight, uh, Global TV's The Jane Show, as well as animated shows like Beyblade, Rescue Heroes, Truck Town, Spliced, and The Adventures of Chuck and Friends. That's right. Uh, You do a lot more, Blair, but I'd be here for hours talking about all of your accomplishments. So um, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Thanks. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Good. Thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, I left out that you have
1: got uh, a radio show. Yeah, actually for the last 10 years I've been doing a radio show here in Toronto on News Talk 1010, Mm -hmm. which is CFRB, and CFRB is... I think the second oldest radio station in Canada. So uh, it's the radio station my parents listen to and, you know, my grandparents and and so forth. So it's really... You know, well-established radio station. And about ten years ago, my friend Bob Reed mm-hmm. uh, asked me if I wanted to, to co-host this show with him. And it's called In the Studio, and it's um, it's, it's a look at music, basically music news, but also we interview uh, you know singer-songwriters and and people from bands who you know have something going on right about now. And and uh, we've had some amazing guests and uh, lots of laughs and so forth. It's on on Saturday nights uh, between eight and nine. Very cool. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, in addition to that, what are some other things? I've got I've got your new CD here, actually, Unpopular Pop. Yeah, I made a CD uh, for the first time in 13 years. During that time, CDs became the thing not to do. <laughs> but I decided, because this was, you know, not my comeback exactly, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't really go anywhere and and the other CDs weren't these huge hits or anything like that. So it's not like I had anything to answer for. But I felt like, if I'm going to make a CD after all this time, if I'm going to make a recording, I wanted to make it in the same kind of style. In other words, I wanted to make a CD, and I wanted to spend some money on the cover, and I wanted to make it right. You yep. know, I wanted to do it properly. And anything from here on in is, you know, I may not, I may just release singles, I don't know. But yeah. I wanted to make this one, you know, the, uh, I don't know, representative of who I was during those 13 years. So, um, yeah, so I recorded it properly, you know, and... uh and went to a lot of effort for it. So I'm very proud of it. You should be, I'm, I'm glad that you did. Um,
0: you know, it's funny you say that about singles because that's, that tends to be the way that things are going now, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm, um, And I've had this discussion in the past about you know, the fact that I'm an album guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I like that you actually did this. This is fantastic. I, I didn't press vinyl because uh, I wasn't sure that vinyl would be, uh, that my market, like I, I I just didn't, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what my market is. It's people like me, Yeah. my age, but, you know, I'm old. So it's people, <laughs> it's people hopefully not, you know, not decades younger than me necessarily. But like the 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 point is it's, it's people who I think still have CD players and yep. and, and who can, you know, play. I mean, the, this music's all available for download and so forth, but it just seemed like vinyl was a, a risky kind of investment at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe in the future, I'll, you know, I'll do vinyl too. I don't know. You can always go back and press. Yeah. 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 For sure. So,
0: well, yeah. congratulations on that and best of luck with this. I appreciate that you bring it in. Okay, so you have got some great songs and I know that you've got some great stories for me too. So let's, let's, few, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah. So your first song is by Steve Goodman and it's called The Dutchman.
1: Yeah. The Dutchman, well, when I was young, when I was a young person in my teens still, mm-hmm. I had this like when other people I know were listening to to Kiss and yeah. and hard rock bands and you know like and and they were more into sort of this macho kind of rock and roll music that, that which was I, me <laughs> that would be you but i was into that too but i was yeah. like I, I loved alice cooper for instance yeah. but i also had this this leaning towards songs that were about old people okay which is weird so <laughs> the dutchman was was one of the first songs that made me cry you know and oh really it was, yeah. oh yeah it's written by a guy named mike smith who was um singer-songwriter, who is, I think, still alive, in, singer-songwriter in Chicago, okay. who was a, a friend of Steve Goodman's. And Steve Goodman is not still alive. He died in 1984. Mm-hmm. But um, he did this great version of this song, which is actually, I mean, think about this. I was a teenager when I dug this song, when, I, when this song made, made me feel something so deep. And yet it's yeah. about old people, an old couple, a Dutchman and his wife okay. in Rotterdam, and how she takes care of him and the line one of the lines that kills me there's a few is sometimes she sees her unborn children in his in his eyes i mean it's choking me up just saying it actually mm. because and i don't know why like as a teenager like why why would i like other people are interested in i don't know getting high and hanging out with chicks and yeah, you know yeah. so whatever you know and meanwhile i'm sort of i don't know i'm not suggesting that this indicates any depth on my part i think it's sentimentality but I think it does but the song kills me to this day and I mm-hmm. occasionally sing it and I almost always choke up while I'm singing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Steve Goodman was a, was a huge influence on me because I saw him perform live a few times and he was just anything goes you know somebody would yell something from the audience he'd respond to it he was like right in the moment he wasn't sort of like Thank you. And we'd like to carry on with a song. You know, he wasn't all sort of formal, you know, how you doing, Cleveland? He, you know, he was actually in the moment and responding to whatever was going on. And he was a brilliant guitar player as well. Mm-hmm. So, and he played solo and he could do anything. And I kind of love playing solo now because I, I, not that I emulate that, but I, I kind of want anything to happen, you yes. know. Yes. Yeah. More than just, you know, oh, there's a guy playing some songs. Yeah. You know, and Steve Goodwin was certainly not just a guy playing some songs he wrote that song um are you familiar with him he wrote not not a lot no he he wrote um i'm the train that call the city of new orleans i know that song it was a huge hit for arlo guthrie and it was the song that allowed steve goodman to basically continue to have a career okay because he never had a hit beyond that but he had the royalties from that Ah. And so he was able to, you know, stay in a nice hotel when he otherwise wasn't getting paid very much. Oh, wow. And uh, he was a good friend of John Prine's as well. Hmm. So. Interesting. No, not very familiar with Steve Goodman. But I
0: keyed into something you were saying earlier about, you know, being young and, and liking songs about elderly people. There was a song, and you, you probably will know this, by Paul Hyde. Remember Paul Hyde? Yeah. He had a song, and I can't remember the. I know the melody in my head. It was in say, I want to say 86, 87. Yeah. And it was about the elderly and how sad it is that they are alone. So he sung it in, in almost like first person as yeah. an elderly
1: person. Do you remember? It's I, called I Talk Do.
0: To Me, that's what it is, Talk
1: To Talk Me. Talk To Me, that's right. And uh, I remember it being very moving and enjoying that song. I knew Paul Hyde a little bit way back when, um, around that time, and, uh, and I remember admiring that song. I have to say though, I thought that it it reminded me a little too much, not musically but mm-hmm. thematically, of a John Prine song. Which, yes. when you think about it, the John Prine song is "Hello" in there. Yes. And and "Talk to Me" is kind of like that. Like the, what the what the John Prine song is saying uh, is uh, if you uh, if you see. Um, if you see some old person who you know, you just think they may they might not have talked to anybody in yeah. days. Yeah, you know, say hello in there. Yeah, you know? and uh, so the Paul Hyde song is sort of saying a similar thing. I, I totally agree. Yeah, And you know, it's funny because I heard the Paul Hyde song when I was in high school. Same mm. same situation as you, and
0: it actually made me quite sad every yeah. time I heard it, it. It just it it opened something up in me. I couldn't describe what it was. Yeah, and then I heard "Hello in There." at university right. by John Prine. I'd never heard of John Prine before, and I loved the lyrics to that song. Yeah. But I heard somebody play it on the acoustic guitar, and somebody actually brought that in a couple weeks ago. Really? And I was fascinated yeah. at that yeah. pick. Yeah, and
1: I, you know, I'd forgotten all about that song, but it's the same thing. You're right. It was going to be on my list, but but because I had the Dutchman on there, I thought well eh, I can't have two songs about no old people. How about that? But uh, yeah, definitely. And in fact, I thought about um, suggesting the um, the Beth Midler version. She did a cover of that, and that's the even though I knew John Prine, yeah. I heard her version first, mm. and I found it very moving. Uh, yeah. All this stuff was around, all around the same time for me. I saw John Prine at Massey Hall when I was 13 years old. Oh, wow. And he was solo, and and it was just incredible. And um, all around the same time, I was just discovering all this fantastic music. Yeah. Like you as a teenager. You know, yeah. it like, that's when my head opened up and exploded. Wasn't that just a fascinating yeah. time? Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. It was just, you know, it, i like I said, I was kind of a hard rock kid and a metal kid at that time. So that's a bit of a shame because it was very... Um, almost myopic but i liked songs like talk to me and i had guilty pleasures like you know in excess some in excess songs and stuff right. like that yeah but, yeah yeah you know when you're a kid you kind of you're dumb right you, you wear your music on your sleeve and it's like it's almost a territorial oh for sure it's a construct, social construct right
1: yeah. yeah and as i've gotten older i've rejected that aspect of music enjoyment only because I like, I don't have a crowd that won't let me sit with them at the cafeteria lunch table. <laughs> like I'm 58 years old, so like, I'm not gonna get expelled from my social group if I admit to liking Barry Manilow or whatever. Exactly. You know? And I, I now, so, so when you say guilty pleasure. I actually object to that, yeah. like not to you saying it, no, of course, no. because and I understand that it's a concept that it, that everybody's familiar with and so forth. But my feeling is, hey, man, don't be guilty. You like, you like it? Do mm-hmm. you like it? Exactly. Then, like, who's gonna make you feel bad? You know? Yeah. Uh, and if they are, aren't they being kind of dicky? Yeah. <laughs> like no, and, that, you know, and that's the most ridiculous thing about you know being a kid. Yeah.
0: The way that I grew up, I was. You know, as I said, myopic, and I was closed off to yeah. things that
1: didn't describe me as. A, you know, I, I was right. You know, you Songs know what I'm that saying. you can't, that you can't, uh, you know, hold up as an anthem or a flag. Yeah, um, I, I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to kind of deal with that at the time. I think I, I teach at Seneca College, and and I teach songwriting, and and the students that I teach, a lot of them are like that yep. because they're young, mm-hmm. and they, you know the hip hop guys are like. They only listen to certain rappers, and everything else is stupid. Yes, and they reject it. And the metal guys, same thing. Everything else is stupid. Yes, and and so forth. And the great thing about those classes is, and it's not my doing. It's just the fact that they're in this course with you know 19 other students, and they tend to start cross pollinating, Uh. and then they start realizing that wait a second, some really interesting stuff is happening here. You know, when they, you know, when when the metal guys start. Crossing with the the hip hop guys as an example, or when I ask them to do a country song, to write a country song, the metal guys are like, "What? Why? Why do I have to do this?" You know, (laughs) and and the hip hop guys are the same. You know, like this is stupid. It doesn't relate, but it's forcing them out of their comfort zone and into doing something else. And they may not become country music fans because goodness knows I'm not particularly, Mm -hmm. but it's a great exercise because it forces them to do something they would never do if they weren't in school. And you know what, Blair, they will thank you for that later. I think so. They will. I hope so.
0: There's no question. I think some of them will curse me for it later too, but you now <laughs> <you know. laughs> no, I was the same way when I was a kid, you know, I was very uh, closed off to that stuff. And, and you know, had I had the opportunity to do that, I probably would have taken it and been thankful for it.
1: Yeah. I, I had a student once tell me, he said, I don't need to do this assignment and and i said well you do if you want to get a good mark you know and he said well no i don't because what i'm doing is reggaeton and that's what i do is what reggaeton reggaeton yeah so reggaeton is a form of of dance music Mm -hmm. and um it's it is now very very popular in the world of edm and and dance music in general but I have a I have difficulty believing that reggaeton 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now when is going to be a dominant music form. And even now, a music lover like yourself is like reggaeton. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And and so I just think it's incredibly short-sighted to stay focused on your especially if you're a music maker to, to stay focused on your genre only. You know, I mean, music is a big beautiful world, man. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I I love it. When I was a kid, I didn't have a what I call a musical pusher.
0: You know, I didn't have somebody saying, "Hey, you should listen to the Doors. You should listen to Led Zeppelin." Right. Right. You know, that was always older people's music, and I kind of was like, "Yeah, it's not really for me." Yeah. But when I got to university, you know, a little bit of wisdom kicked in, and and some influence from other folks, and I realized what I was missing.
1: Mm you know, with all this great music, Neil Young, the Beatles, you know? Yeah. 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 I had my older sister, which is all an ol, ol, uh, an older sibling, I think is always a great thing to have for music. If they're mm. into music, you know, yeah. cause they tend to push and guide and so forth. Pro- problem is now my sister, uh, her, her, and she won't be listening to this, but her tastes, uh, sort of, um, they stalled around age 20 or 21 mm-hmm. and she, but she continues to give me musical advice as if I'm, you know, her, Two years younger brother and I don't know anything about music and I feel like saying but I I can't because it would be mean but I feel like saying I've spent my whole life like the last 40 years deeply embedded in music and so you telling me about she the other day she was saying that I should cover a song by and she couldn't remember the name of the group Um, and it was uh, I'm in pieces she said by the I think she said the Bob Clark group or something like that Mm -hmm. and she meant Bits and Pieces oh. by the Dave Clark Five, oh. and I knew it instantly, yeah. and I thought, no, I'm not going to cover that song. That, 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 I don't even like that song. <laughs> but she thought it was like a big discovery to tell me about, it, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's my complaint about my sister. I love her. I love you, Christine, if you're listening. She won't be listening. Yeah. <laughs> she won't be listening. All right, so speaking of John Prine, he is next on your list, and you've got Far From Me. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing that I identified with as a teenager, in addition to rock music, right? I I loved Zeppelin, and I loved, uh, you know, I don't have to make excuses, but the fact is that the music that moved me, that made me feel something really deep, was Mm -hmm. this kind of like John Prine, Steve yeah. Goodman, that kind of thing. So this John Prine song, "Far From Me," is about the end of a relationship, and a, a relationship that may not have been very real anyway. And at that point in my life, I don't, I, I don't know if I had a girlfriend yet, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel very confident when it came to women and you know other people. I was still a teenager, and and so I felt like this was my fate in this song. And it's it's about like there's just some great lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question ain't really a question when you know the answer to, is one of the lines, um, and the, and it's all implied. By the way, it's nothing's really overtly stated. and I, mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah. You get the impression he's about to ask this woman to, to marry him, maybe, and he's completely misread the situation. And she's thinking, no, like he's just a a, a date for her, and for him, it's very serious. Yeah. And and he gets let down. And and uh, and the the tagline is. Uh, and it's far, far from me. Meaning, I think, I didn't understand at all what was going on. Mm-hmm. And and to me, I could relate to that big time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he is uh, an excellent lyricist. Yeah,
0: think about like Sam Stone. Oh, yeah. For example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know that 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 sadness that you feel that we were talking about earlier with "Hello" in there.
1: Yeah. You know, he he has one of the greatest songs about masturbation that you'll ever hear. <laughs> he really, I don't know that. And it's not funny it's i mean it's funny only in that you know nudge nudge sort of thing but it's not mm-hmm. like a joke it's actually about two people who don't know each other okay and they have no hope of like the, the one woman is she's a girl who works at her parents business and she's uh, uh, morbidly obese and doesn't and she's socially awkward and she doesn't have a boyfriend or anything like that okay. and the 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 Man in the question is like a, uh, a 19-year-old uh, soldier, and he's at, at, a, at a boot camp somewhere. And they're nowhere near each other. And yet, in the third verse of the song, John Prine describes them making love. And they're making love not not with each other, but with each other in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so beautiful the way John Prine puts them together. And then, you know, in real life, they're fictional characters, I presume, but they've never met or anything like that. Yeah, And they probably wouldn't hook up in real life but he puts them together in this song they made love in the mountains they made love in the streams they made love in the valleys they made love in their dreams um and but when they were finished there was nothing to say cuz mostly they made love from 10 miles away ah and, and and it's i don't know it's i think it's moving you know like yeah i don't know anyway yeah no he's <laughs> John gen- Prine genius yeah uh next one is Elvis Costello I want you. Okay, so I was going to suggest uh, Veronica, uh, which was a hit song. for him. Fantastic song, again about old people, Yeah, yeah right? Okay. And the bridge of that song kills me. Uh, it's like she's remembering being on the Empress of Ireland. I think is the name of the ship. Yeah. And uh, and but she's this. It's an old woman with dementia, and and my parents were aging when that came out. Uh, you know, my they hadn't hit there that yet, but it was. I found that very moving. But I chose I want you. By Elvis Costello. There's so many I could have chosen. Oh yeah, for sure. But that one is about romantic betrayal, mm-hmm. and it's about your partner cheating on you, and you you're dying to know the details, even though every word is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And that's what the song's about. And talk about like, I talk to my students about songs sometimes, and I'll say, you know, what's your favorite song right now? And they'll say, you know, whatever. And and I'll say, what's it about? And they'll say, it's about getting wasted. It doesn't is, just kill you. It's yeah. so disappointing. It's right. about partying and hooking up. Oh, you know? God. And it's just like, holy <laughs> crap. Like there there are you can do so much more with a yeah. song. I mean, this Elvis Costello song, it talks about these feelings that are hard to describe and he describes them beautifully. Yeah. These feelings of of you've been betrayed, you've been hurt, um, but you still wanna know. It's the stupid details he says that I'm still that I'm still aching for, you know. And and he And he talks about still wanting her, wanting her you know sexually, even though she's betrayed him, she 's been with a lover and so forth and it's just and he says, "I want you in the song i haven't counted, but i think ninety seven times he says the the phrase and it, and he says it, "I want you, I want you, I want you i want like he says yeah. it, it it sings it melodically in different ways, and it each time has a different meaning wow like it's just like this song kills me there's a version by um Piano playing woman, um, uh, Tori Amos. Tori Amos, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Tori Amos. Yep, with Elvis playing guitar, and it's a live version. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Tori Amos. Okay, and and it's killer, killer. She's, I mean, he sings it like crazy on 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 Blood and Chocolate, that Elvis Costello record. But she's, yeah. oh my god, it's 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 one of the few times I've seen a, a cover version on YouTube that outstrips the original in certain ways. Oh really? Yeah. Wow.
0: I was actually just listening to uh, Elvis Costello's record he did with the Roots last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, great, great yeah, album. Yeah.
1: yeah, and completely different for him from what oh, he normally yeah. does. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a musical thrill seeker for my taste. Like my favorite Elvis Costello moments tend to be Elvis Costello with the Attractions or with the Imposters, mm-hmm. um, his backing band, where he's doing something that's you know the three minute pop song format. Yeah, and. Taking my head off with those songs, you know. But when he does these excursions, uh, you know, with with um, I don't know, Burt Backrack or, or or with the Roots or whatever, yeah. they're very interesting stuff. And there's always a jam or two in those things as well. But my yeah. my heart kind of lies with those other those other things.
0: Oh no, you know? me too. Yeah. You know, my 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 first um love with 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 Costello I think is stuff like Oliver's Army. Oh, when did yeah. that stuff when did that stuff come out? Like? That was 79 that album.
1: So yeah, so his uh, first album came out in 77 although it didn't come out till 78 here. Yeah. And then very quickly after that, um two other albums, This Year's Model and then um it, it it's funny I can remember what the it's original the title the, was. The elephant on it. Yeah, it was it was in Britain it was called Emotional Fascism. But America, here it was, called, it was called I can't think of the name is Two words, I think. Anyway. Yeah. And then Imperial Bedroom came out after that. And yeah. then, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm a huge great fan. Great artist. Yeah, so, so am yeah. I. Even though yeah. I don't know the names of his <laughs> Yeah. Well, that third album, I don't know why the name's escaping me and why I can remember the name of... And I can remember the alternative cover as well. Because it actually had paint splatters. The elephant wasn't on the cover. Really? Originally, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know It that. was on the inner sleeve of the vinyl. Okay. And then when the album came out, or when the CD came out, I think they offered it with different... Covers and the elephant was, all the yeah they were they were that was an, an alternate uh, cover. Oh so, wow, yeah. I did not know that. Uh, but what was it called, anyway? I think it's two words. I can see it in my mind. I just yeah.
0: yeah oh well, it's a great album. People are like screaming it at the at yeah the listening device right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry, folks. You idiots! What's wrong with you? How do you not know that? Um, Jennifer Warrens is next, and yeah. uh, it's Song of Bernadette, and this is a, a Leonard Cohen composition, I believe.
1: Yeah, um, I'm a f- I'm a fan of Leonard Cohen uh, as a singer and as a performer, mm-hmm. but mostly as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And this version, Jennifer Warrens did a an album of um, all Leonard Cohen songs, and it was called Famous Blue Raincoat. Yep. And this song, Song of Bernadette, I had just broken up with my girlfriend uh, that I had from high school, okay. uh, and I'd been with her a long time, and and I really should have broken up with her years before. Okay, really, seriously. years before. Yes, because we were wow. together for uh, a decade, oh. and yeah, from the time I was about uh, seventeen or eighteen till I was till I was twenty six or twenty seven. Oh wow! Yeah, and it and really. Shouldn't have lasted that long. I mean, it wasn't always horrible by any means, but it just, and I felt like by staying with her, I had led her on and I felt like I had, uh, uh, I don't know, hurt, hurt her more than I had, than I should have, could have, if I'd just broken up with her. Okay. That song has the line, um, we run, we fall, we, we mostly fall. Uh, we mostly run I'm sorry I'm ruining Leonard Cohen's poetry but, but uh, and, and, and while we do that we try and uh, try and fix the damage that we've done right and then the refrain of the song is I just want to hold you come on let me hold you like Bernadette would do, and it's a song about the saint Bernadette, but it's about it's also about love, which, ah. like Leonard Cohen's songs, mostly are about love. You know, Hallelujah is about sex, you know. Yeah, they they seem like they're about these lofty religious subjects, but they're really about the right. spiritual and sexual and romantic connection between humans. I yeah, think. and and that one really got me anyway. Mm. So. I'm not familiar with it, but I'm a Leonard Cohen fan. So, do you know that album? Because that album is killer it was almost that album that sort of introduced Leonard Cohen to a wider audience and it if you can't if you couldn't get past his voice which a lot of people couldn't yeah when that album came out it was like okay now I get it those songs are unbelievable you know and for me that's my favorite song on that record but there's a bunch of there's first we take Manhattan there's a oh that's a great song and she's a hell of a singer and he was fully on board for the making of that record so uh, I suggest you check that out I definitely
0: will I definitely will uh, your last song sir on this list is by Ron Hines and it's called a good dog is lost I know nothing of this tell me about Do you know it.
1: Ron Hines at all I do not okay another guy he wrote a song that if you go to Ireland and I've, I've been to Ireland now five times I think um, For extended periods of time. I, I don't know I fell in love with the place mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I really didn't think I would I don't know why I was skeptical, but I was It was all the leprechauns and all that stuff. Like, I just thought, oh, come on. You know, the magical isle and and so forth, the pot of gold and all that stuff. And then I went and I was just like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. The musicianship, the uh, poetry of the songwriters and so forth, just unbelievable. But if you go there, uh, you will hear, if you go to any traditional Irish music night anywhere, you will hear this song that goes... Sonny, don't go away. I'm here all alone. And your daddy's a sailor who never comes home. It's, it's a song called Sonny's Dream. And don't in me. Ireland, they believe that it's an old Irish traditional song. Hmm. And they believe it was written by an Irishman, if, if at all, if not just handed down. But it was, in fact, it was written by Ron Hines, who's from Newfoundland. No. Yeah. And um, that song's been covered, like recorded, over 300 times. How about that? And Ron Hines was a national treasure of Canada, and yet, I mean, he was given the Order of Canada, I believe, and he was, but he he passed away about f- three or four years ago. Now mm-hmm. he's a friend of mine, a beautiful guy, uh, very troubled, mm-hmm. um, uh, and 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 I picked that song because it was unusual for Ron. It had all the hallmarks of a Ron Hines heartbreaker. But it's also unusual because it was it was it just to me it shows that songs can come from anywhere, and and uh, where it came from was his daughter showed him a flyer that had that said a good dog is lost, wow, and it was about an actual dog and he because he couldn't stop writing songs he just you know he would be sitting opposite you and he'd be going you know we're here at the spoke and it's no joke and he'd be finding rhymes you know we're doing a podcast and blah blah broadcast or whatever you know he'd wow. be he'd be finding a song uh, out of our conversation and so he he wrote this song about a a dog being lost and how it it moved his daughter who was just young at the time and mm-hmm. she wanted to find that dog and she had him press up like photocopy a bunch of copies it wasn't even their dog and yeah. place them under windshields and stuff like that wow the song is really what it's about is lost love and regret Mm. and it's so deep and so moving and yet at the end for the end of the song for the refrain he starts barking what? yeah he just goes like at the end and it's such a surprise because you'd be sitting there like weeping listening to this song and then he does that and it's just it somehow makes it like okay but it's just a song too as well as being this deep and moving thing about love and missing something and missed moments and like it's just, there's so much to this song it's that just so peculiar yeah it's peculiar is a is a good word and and yet it touches it presses every sentimental button in my body yeah you know? so uh wow anyway he was a master songwriter and well worth checking out. Do, you, do you, you know Snowbird, the Anne Murray song? Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh Gene mcclellan wrote that song. Okay. And uh he took his own life about 25 years ago, I guess. Oh, jeez. And uh, Ron they were friends and and uh, Ron knew him well and and he wrote a, a really an incredible song uh, about him but also just about people who who take their own lives and it's called mm-hmm. Godspeed. Godspeed. And uh, I, it could easily have been on my list it's a it's an incredible song about like how dark and desperate you have to be to do that Yeah, and kind of how he understands that as well and yeah beautiful awesome. song you know one of the
0: luxuries of doing this show Blair is, is finding out about stuff like this
1: yeah you know, yeah I really, imagine really, oh, so yeah a, it's
0: an incredible learning experience and I definitely will uh, look up Ron
1: oh I, I would friend. I'd be really gratified if you did so, because thank you honestly a national treasure I definitely will. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you.
0: And thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That's the end of your list. I know you've got some other songs we're going to bring you back. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. I I, look forward to continuing our conversation because this has been great. Okay. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. This has been Brent Jensen and No Sleep Till Subway with my special guest, Mr. Blair Hackum. Till next time, take good care, folks.
1: Brent Jensen is the best author of No Sleep Till Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide.